Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another city around the world. And this show is brought to you by Anytime Soccer Training. Anytime Soccer Training is a unique web application that hosts well over 5,000 training videos that are 100% follow along. It's an absolute godsend to parents and coaches looking to supplement their children or players um, training in a way that's organized, digestible, easy to use, et cetera, et cetera. So check out anytime-soccer.com to create a free account and to learn more about what we do. So now on to the show. So yesterday I did a show entitled Clarifying the Behaviors that Matter and Avoiding Those That Don't. But I need to come up with a better name for that. Unfortunately, gotcha marketing is not my strong point, contrary to what some of my Facebook friends may think. Well, I listened to that show on my um, morning walk, uh, and admittedly, the show went a little longer, uh, and it took a little longer for me to get to the punchline than I wanted to. And this is, even though I put some of this in the realm of common sense, the detail of what I'm trying to explain is pretty obscure. Yet it's so important to um, parent trainers and helping parent trainers sort of deal with what they're facing that I thought, you know what? Let me do a quick follow-up today and summarize the salient point. And so here we go. So we're talking about development. We're talking about development, long-term development in the context of sport. And in this case, in the context of youth soccer, I happen to believe these principles are, uni are, are universal and can be applied to anything you choose. But again, we happen to be talking about um, long-term soccer development. And then within long-term soccer development, my main focus is on skill acquisition. So now that I tee that up, in order to achieve long-term uh, soccer development and or um, long-term skill acquisition, the individual must engage and the parents must engage in the coach. I shouldn't say parents. The individual and the adults must engage in activities. They must be active in, in the pursuit of this goal. And these activities, for the most part, can be divided into three broad categories. Delayed gratification activities, instant gratification activities, and no gratification activities. And in the previous podcast, which I encourage you to listen to, I went on to give more formal definitions of these three buckets. And I'm going to remind you of the first two right now. So um, an example of, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to give you some examples of them now. So I went on to say getting repetitions and repetition is a delayed gratification activity. And repetitions are one of the pillars of long-term development, which I described as part of the tier framework. So there's time, 
quality instruction, effort, and then there are repetitions. Repetitions are, and repetitions are doing that same thing over and over and over in the hope that this will produce a greater um, benefit in the future. Then you have instant gratification activities. And again, as the name implies, these are, these are activities that provide um, some enjoyment almost immediately, right? We're familiar with most of these activities. Free play, small-sided games, structured games, hopefully, even though adults can ruin the experience of structured games, but structured games should provide a degree of instant gratification. And one that I forgot to mention that for the most part, shooting and finishing, those are in instant gratification activities. That's why when you go to a soccer field and you see kids training on their own, uh, normally they're finishing. If you go to a soccer field and you see a kid come onto the field, you're going to notice the, that they gravitate towards one of the goals. Finishing is just an instant gratification activity. And in the best case scenario, for many of them, they'll do some kind of technical thing that ends in finishing. All right, so I didn't, I, I went on with finishing because I didn't mention that in the last um, podcast. These activities are activities that your child or most normal children will engage in freely on their own. Delayed activities, on the other hand, are activities that your that most that your child and most children will not engage in on their own. And if they do, it's not at a level of consistency um, to get the material gains needed for long-term uh, success in a competitive sport. And when they do, we have to be careful how we interpret that behavior because there are many reasons, complicated reasons, why children do um, things that they otherwise would not want to do. Some of it is just uh, a pressure to conform. So they even say that they will engage in activities that they don't want to do and they will appear like they do want to do them. Do them. Um, simply because of uh, they want to appease the adults or they want to appease the the parents and they want your um, appreciation, they want your approval. So even when your child does engage in what we would consider delayed gratification activities, we have to be careful not to read too much into it or we have to be careful not to assign adult-like um, attributes to that behavior. And so then, and then before I define, uh, oh, and then I went on to say, let me go ahead, let me go on to say, uh, there's a third activity. Um, oh, sorry. So then I went on to say, excuse me, I had to get my thoughts together. Then I went on to say that meaningful long-term development in sport or in life requires a healthy mix of the two, right? Got to do some delayed gratification activities and some uh, instant gratification activities uh, in order to achieve long-term uh, development in life or in soccer. But there's a third category of activity that I refer to as the no gratification activity. And these are activities that neither increase your child's enjoyment of the game 
or nor increase their development. Right? So they don't make them happier and they don't increase their development. So, and let me be clear about when I say they don't make them happier, there are some intrinsic developmental gains that you can achieve by just helping the child better enjoy the experience. So one of the reasons why instant gratification is so important beyond the obvious is instantly gratifying someone in sport fuels a passion and enjoyment and a psychological benefit of doing the activity that can um, help them um, develop long-term. So we really, really want to stay away from doing something that reduces their enjoyment of the sport. Like, sorry, yeah, reduces their enjoyment of the sport and um, doesn't increase their development. So using that same example about instant, grat that same analogy about instant gratification, well, delayed gratification on its own will reduce their enjoyment of the sport in the short term for that particular moment. But, but what you're banking on is it will increase their enjoyment of the sport long-term because they will unlock uh, enjoyment and unlock success that they would not be able to unlock otherwise. They will be fulfilled in a way that they could only be fulfilled having engaged in these delayed gratification activities. So some examples of no gratification activities, and many of us are familiar with these because if you're in these soccer spaces, you are preached to, they preach to you about these all the time. Uh, and I use the word preach specifically because I think, and I got to do, I'm going to do a podcast on this, but um, it's right to highlight these issues, but people highlight these or they tend to highlight them from a moral perspective. And I don't think that's the way you should look at it. I think it's sort of natural to behave in this way, habitual to behave in this way. So we got to take a step back and understand why are we behaving in this way? And considering that it's a natural thing, what can we do to mitigate um, instances of this bad behavior? Not the other way around. This is positioned to us as unnatural. And therefore, we are doing something that's unnatural that is now morally uh, wrong. I actually argue it is natural. And we have to figure out a way not to do that, not to engage in that impulse that is very biological, very normal, very natural. So what am I getting at? Coaching and yelling instructions on, from the sidelines is a no gratification activity. It you, I don't meet children who enjoy their parent yelling at them from the sidelines during a game or giving them instructions from the sidelines during the game. I don't meet any adults who testify, testify and reflect on some of their fondest memories of uh, sports was when their parents was yell were yelling at them from the sidelines. Or yelling instructions from the sidelines. I don't meet any adults who say, yeah, that's that was the key to my, my development. And also I enjoyed it or I didn't enjoy it. But those instructions that, that my parents was giving me during the game um, that in many cases were in conflict with what my coach was saying, those really helped me out. Um, another is being critical of your child uh, after the games, either in the car ride home or even later. 
I there's I'm guilty of all of these, by the way, but they're just not a lot of upside. Being critical of your child just makes them defensive and, and is something that reduces their enjoyment of the game and does not produce any long term uh, development gains. Arguing with the ref. How many times do I see 40 year olds yelling at a 17 year old um, referee at a seven year old's soccer game? Again, produces no additional enjoyment for your child and no long term development. Arguing with the opposing parents, uh, the opposing team's parents. I pause here to say we got to stop it. No body. No child enjoys that. No adults reflect on that saying, I really remember that time my mom got in a fight with the other team, soccer mom. That was one of my fondest childhood memories. And as a matter of fact, it also made me a better soccer player. No one testifies to that. And so I'm going to do a show, a show on this stuff and how I feel about it. And it's going to be a nuanced point, but I just want to drop those there to say, hey, here's a quick admonishment, not preaching to you from... Um, some moral authority talking to you parent to parent saying, hey, I have struggled with these. Well, I haven't really gotten into it with parents on other parents on the sideline, but all the other ones I've struggled with these in the past and I had to self-correct on because I care more about my children and their success than my own ego. And so if you are struggling with these, I encourage you, um, especially before the season starts, to reflect on this and figure out a way uh, uh, to deal with it. And so in conclusion, because I'm going to wrap this one up, I concluded again, hey, long-term development requires a combination of these two. This was obvious to me before I got into the youth soccer space. However, there are some headwinds working against us when it comes to delayed gratification activities. Number one is kids don't enjoy delayed gratification activities. This means that, you know, as a parent, the only way you can get a kid to en engage in delayed gratification activities as it relates to sport is by forcing them to do it consistently and applying a, a hopefully developmentally appropriate level of parental influence. But the problem is when you articulate it this way, this subject is very taboo, especially in modern sensibilities. It's extremely taboo to even hint at the notion that you force your child to engage in um, activities as it relates to sport that they don't enjoy instantly, right? All right, so now that I've said that, one point of clarification I have to make is literally on what I mean when I say force, because I think what people think I mean is, kid is crying and you're pushing them or they're secretly telling their your your spouse or your significant others they hate you and they hate doing this no that is a developmentally inappropriate level of force and if you have to use that level of force to get them to engage in the developmentally sorry delayed gratification activities 
you all need to reassess whether or not this is doing more harm than good. And if what I just described is happening, it most likely is doing more harm than good. So what do I mean? Well, when I use the term force, and I'm going to do a podcast on uh, definitions, I am effectively saying I limit their choices to delayed gratification activities, right? So with my sons, they have to engage in delayed gratification activities consistently in two areas. One is a non-negotiable. It's academics, right? You got to do your homework. You have to read. You have to study. This is this is a non-negotiable. But the other one is anything you choose. So if you choose soccer, then competitive sport, then coming uh, what comes with competitive sport, what comes with travel sports, are uh, has to be a commitment to do some of the delayed gratification activities. Now, I don't articulate it to them in this way. I don't even articulate it to other adults in this way. I didn't articulate it to myself in this way until people started effectively explaining to me how their other, their natural laws out there to defy the natural laws that I understand um, to be common sense. I mean, people are effectively trying to explain to you that no gravity doesn't exist. You can actually go faster on this earth by doing less or applying less force. And I'm effectively saying, no, there's some natural laws that exist and we got the, we have to be smart about how we navigate them. So then going back to narrowing the choice to you choose what you want to do and whatever that is, if we're going to do it at an ultra competitive level, then what there's a responsibility on your part and there's a responsibility on my part. My, my responsibility is to support you um, like a parent should. I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to make sure you get to practice. I'm going to take you to all these games. Whatever these coaches ask me to do, I'm going to try to do it. I'm also going to be responsive to your needs and your requests. So if you tell me, dad, shut up on the sidelines, I'm going to be responsive to that and I'm not going to do it. But part of my responsibility, I believe, if I'm going to put you in these ultra competitive environments, is to actively support you on some basic stuff that I know that, that I can help you with. And your responsibility as the individual who is in these competitive environments is to be willing to engage in these delayed gratification activities at a level that's reasonable and commensurate with your um, desire, right? And again, I don't break it down to my children like this, but this is effectively what I'm saying. And so the analogy I would use when it comes to force in this context is context is uh, we don't force our children to eat Brussels sprouts, right? We just say, hey, health requires a well-balanced diet, right? And a well-balanced diet includes um, some vegetables, okay? Can't get around that. Here are the 50 vegetables you have a choice of eating, you know, you tell us which ones you enjoy and or which ones you can tolerate or which ones you will eat. Now, of course, most kids, until they get this habit ingrained, will choose candy if you let them or uh, sweet snacks or carbs if you let them. But you have to say, hey, listen, you, you can have that stuff, too. Right. In moderation. But you got to you have to. We're not going to force you to eat Brussels sprouts. We're not going to force you to eat broccoli. But we are going to say you got, we are going to force you, if you will, 
to eat some vegetables. And let's work together to find the vegetables that work for you. But we're not going to force you to be a, a vegetarian. No offense. I used to be a vegetarian, but so no offense to people who raise their kids veg, vegetarian. But in this analogy, I'm basically saying all the uh, options are on the table, but we are ring fencing. Um, um, we are ring fencing your choices to say that you got to choose some delayed gratification activities. What are they going to be? So that's kind of how I think about force. And so now that I've tried to clarify that you need a healthy, you need a balance of delay and um, instant gratification activities, and you want to avoid the no gratification activities. And the challenge is kids will not, most kids will not willingly engage in delayed gratification activities in a, at the level of consistency they need for sustained long-term development. And even when they do engage in delayed gratification activities, you have to be careful not to apply a Mamba mentality to them because they could quite frankly just be doing it to please you at that time. Because what happens is when the kid change, when the child changes and matures and they don't want to do this anymore, a lot of parents who have misinterpreted this behavior are not able to manage that change um, positively and put a, a lot of unnecessary and undue pressure on their child. So now fast forwarding to fast forwarding to instant gratification activities. Now instant gratification activities have some intrinsic benefits. Number one, those are activities that your child will actively want to do. That's a benefit in and of itself. They will do those activities longer, but your child's enjoyment of the sport has a psychological um, benefit that you can just not quantify. But here is a challenge that uh, when it comes to parent trainers, you're going to have people who either directly or indirectly try to convince you that, that, that instant gratification activities are better for your child as it relates to sport then delayed gratification activities. And I'm here to say, no, you kind of need both. You may, the time, they may not, they may not need to be equivalent in terms of time. And I actually don't think they should be. I don't think you should spend more time on delayed gratification activities than instant gratification activities, but you do need both. Not, neither are better or worse. They're just part of a longer progression. And the mix is what you are really trying to get right. Not the debate on whether or not one is better than the other. It's the mix that you're trying to get, right? And that mix depends a lot on your goals and the goals you have for your child and their goals as they perceive them and their temperament, your temperament, all that other stuff that you are going to be much more familiar with when it comes to your own child and your own family than uh, I am. And so you have some people telling you, again, that instant gratification is better than delayed gratification activities. And then you have another group of people telling you and telling coaches that, yes, delayed gratification activities are important, but we <laughs> have developed this methodology that packages those delayed gratification activities and delivers those delayed gratification activities in a way to the child that they don't know it and it gets the same result. And if you're not doing that, then you're doing something wrong. Your, your session is not engaging 
you are going to lose the child, et cetera, et cetera. Now, going back to my vegetable analogy, let me let me share a quick quick tip. I guess I'd say, if you have, especially if you have really small children, this is something we do did. Because in a former life, I used to write a common sense food blog, and this is one of the tips I used to share. When you have really young children, of course, most of them don't want their palate hasn't developed enough to eat a lot of various fruits and a lot of various um, vegetables. So what we used to do um, is we would puree the vegetables and add it without our children's knowledge to tomato-based dishes or tomato-based sauce. So that's a fancy way of saying we would take our, our bag of vegetables, parade them into liquid form, and then add them to, um, say, spaghetti sauce. My kids didn't know the difference. So going back to the soccer analogy, that's one of the reasons why anytime soccer training has over 101 fun games, because racing, chasing, tagging, and playing 1v1 against your child is going to get them to utilize a lot of the skills that they've been practicing in a way that's fun and engaging to them. But I would not lie to you to say that you're going to get technical, and I'll just use my children, at the level that my children are at, you ain't going to get there by racing, chasing, tagging them, and playing 1v1 with them. Some of that stuff has to be developed by them getting a lot of repetitions, uh, doing very specific things, over and over and over again. So that's another piece of, that's another clarification I wanted to make specifically for the parent trainer. So in conclusion, in going back full circle in a previous podcast, many, many moons ago, I argued that there are certain activities that the parent is most suited to engage in, right? Like, I'm not the type of person that starts off with all these lofty stuff. I'm trying to try my best to give you specific actionable things. And I, I think I'm not, I don't even know if I remember off the top of my head, I'll try my best. You know, I said the parent is most, is uniquely suited to help the child with finding the right club. And this is no specific order, finding the right club, right? I mean, you're the only one that can do this. They're uniquely suited in helping them get uh, work on their um working with their non-dominant foot team don't have time to do it and even when the teams do have time to do it this is not something they focus on same thing with aerial control you're uniquely suited to help them um, with aerial control and i can't remember the other ones but i know one of them is you're uniquely suited to help them um get additional reps because additional reps is a delayed gratification activity. And why are you uniquely suited to do this? Number one is because you live with your child. So you're able to get squeezing a little bit of delayed gratification activities here, a little bit there. You're able to sprinkle it on without having to do an entire session. So what that looks like for me is two days a week when my sons get home from school, they have to do 10 minutes on the rebounder. Now, again, you're going to have some people on social media tell you, no, I just leave the balls in the garage and my child figures it out. Okay. Again, this is where we have to look at results. And I'm not going to get into a piss and match on what, what works and what doesn't work, but I think our common sense will tell us 
that if one person spends 10 minutes a day, two days a week, uh, consistently working on their first touch, not something that most kids will do voluntarily, and one person just does it when they feel like it, the person who does it consistently over time will likely have a better first touch, all, all other things being equal. So again, you're uniquely suited to sprinkle in these reps. Another reason you as a parent are uniquely suited to help the child get these reps is because you're not facing the commercial pressure of producing a program that's both fun, instant gratification, and develops a child delayed gratification. Because if you are a coach out there listening, you know the one of the first questions the parents ask, and I don't, they don't seem to ask it in the games, but they ask it at practices. Um, how was it? Did you have fun? Did you enjoy it? And if that child says, nah, mom, I, I, I'm, I'm not really enjoying practice right now because we're kind of doing the same thing. So my son, my oldest son always jokes with me. I ask him, what did you do? And every time he gets in the car, directional control, directional control, directional control. You know, and so I know that the club is consistently working on this because every time he gets in the car, he always says, he, no matter what, I don't care what else they do, but they're always working on directional control. Well, the problem is there's a commercial element to this. If you are a coach or a club that wants to remain uh, a viable financial entity, you can't have all the kids coming into car saying, yeah, I didn't enjoy the day because they just had me doing tight control dribbling for 30 minutes. And, and I hate doing that, especially with my non-dominant foot and I'm not good at it. You're going to lose them. I'm actually facing that right now in my clinic. I'm, I got a meeting, uh, we're on break this summer. And I got a meeting with uh, my partner to kind of go over this. How do we retain kids while also, you know, doing this, these essential skills they need? And I think we, we're going to settle on um, creating different products for children and parents who want different things. Okay. So, but as a parent, you don't have this conflict. The kids, for the most part, can't fire you and you have a way you you can explain to them that we're going to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and that's just the way it is but also as a parent you have many many more levers at your disposable at your disposal excuse me to negotiate with your child than the coach or the trainer does what do i mean by that well yesterday my son's uh my two of my sons we did an hour and 15 to an hour and 30 minute training session and the reason that weekend one goes pretty long is because they're in the off season except for my, um, my younger one just started but they're in the off season and it ends up basically because i divided up where they're taking a lot of rest breaks in between and they're alternating between each other so it ends up being about a 45 minute um, session for both of them and that includes a lot of breaks so we do it a little bit longer um, in the off season but the point is, after the session, they came in, played on their little video games, did that. And then my wife took both of my sons to the movies. And then when my sons came back, uh, I took my younger one to a place called Frankie's, which I highly recommend, actually. And we played miniature golf. Uh, we played, uh, oh, we did the race car things. He did a couple of those race car things. He played video games. He, ate, he did a little bit of everything. And I explained to him, I said, hey, 
beyond just having fun with you, which is cool, I wanted to reward you because you've been doing a lot of extra work in this offseason in the summer when most kids are not. And I just really wanted to say, hey, man, keep up the good work. Well, your, your trainer is not going to take your kid to Frankie's per se. I mean, probably some Frank, some trainers out there listening saying, yeah, I do take my kids to, I do take the kids I train out to other uh, activities. But more than likely, they're not going to take them out to these places. They don't have these um, these levers. I have the lever to say to my child, "Listen, give me ten minutes now of I don't again I don't use the term delayed gratification. Give me ten minutes now. Then we're going to go play, and then give me ten minutes after. I have all of these levers at my disposal that you don't. So in conclusion, I'm saying, hey, listen, as a parent, you can get actively involved in your child." you're going to get pushback from your from your child you're going to get pushback from people in the soccer establishment and you're going to get pushback from other parents that's just part of the deal and that's the way it is but my challenge to you is trying to find the right balance between delayed gratification and um uh, instant gratification activities and and what i tend to do with my younger one especially is we started with three minutes that's one of the reasons why the average anytime soccer training video is only five minutes with several breaks because we started at a level that he could handle in order to be to build up uh, his endurance level to build up his mental um, uh, I guess mental awareness or mental maturity level and also ingrain him into this routine so that would be my advice there and the purposes of these podcasts is to give you an intellectual basis to fend off some of this, some of these attacks that are going to come your way. And maybe I'm being defensive, probably am, but I'm trying to defend uh, a, uh, the farm, um, the lessons that I learned from the farm, right? And that's really what I'm most passionate about. I hope you use the technology to help you. But really, what I'm most passionate about is I don't want a person to go through all of this um, sport, all these competitive sport, this whole competitive sport environment, uh, sorry, not environment, this competitive sport um, experience. I don't want you to go through all of that and leave it not understanding how to think in a way that's going to help you become successful in anything that you do. All right, guys, this is Neil Crawford with Anytime Soccer Training. I really enjoy you. Um, I, I enjoy speaking with you. I'm glad that you made it this far and listened. Check out anytime-soccer.com to learn more about what we do and to get more free content like this. Let's get better together. Hey guys, having listened to the show again and checking my notes, I realized that, oh boy, I need to add a quick addendum to this episode. I forgot the fourth category of activities or behaviors and i call these the perverse development incentives so these are perverse incentives when it comes to development and the strict definition of perverse incentives are incentives that have an unintended or undesirable result that is contrary to the intentions of the person so in this case, we are assuming that the parent, coach, or whoever, the adult, wants to develop the child long-term, and they are providing in perverse incentives that 
are contrary to that. And what makes these perverse incentives, um, what makes them perverse incentives is they these activities actually increase uh, enjoyment or gratification in the short term for the child, but long-term may cause unattended consequences. So let me give you an example. Um, blaming the coach and not allowing the child to just simply fail and take responsibility and learn from their actions. That provides a perverse incentives or switching teams every time something gets, something goes wrong. And I don't mean the, the normal, hey, this is not a good fit situation. We're gonna end the middle of the season, but how we frame that transition, that can, that can cause a, a perverse incentives or, blaming everyone else or having a conversation with your child where you're blaming everyone else and not again allowing the child to take personal responsibility for what they're doing or just lessening the um feeling or trying to lessen the feeling that the child uh experiences when losing sometimes you just let they just have to let you have to allow them excuse me to work it out themselves and go through the entire spectrum of emotions that humans need to go through uh, when faced with a setback or adversity. So all of these are perverse incentives that we see that as parents, especially as parents, we want to try to avoid. So again, thanks for listening and let's get better together.